0: Production of BNM Media and brought to you by Sooners360.com. Make sure to go follow Jalen at Sooner Sports Daily on Instagram and at underscore Jalen Ross on Twitter. Good people of America, welcome back to the Blitz Period. This is Jalen Ross, and today should be one of our shorter episodes. But you guys know every time I say that, it ends up not being the case. But I say that because there's not really much to dive into this week. Um, We're actually going to have an interview up later, which will be a bonus episode. And I think you guys are going to like the guest. He's really close to me. Love him like family because he is family. So it'll be an awesome episode to get into. But uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about the rumors surrounding offensive coordinator Jeff Levy. Uh, Briefly going to talk about OU basketball because, I mean, I've – Yeah, that's a whole other situation. And then uh, probably a little bit of uh, winter workout stuff, some scheduling stuff, and that should about wrap it up. So right off the bat, I'm just going to hit you guys with the Jeff Levy stuff. So uh, if you've been living under a rock the past 48 hours, uh, you've missed that OU offensive coordinator Jeff Levy is uh, being pursued by Alabama for their offensive coordinator spot. Uh, after Bill O'Brien takes the job with the Patriots. Now, here's the thing, guys. This is nothing new, okay? This stuff has literally been around for two weeks. Uh, Again, guys, there's a reason I posted on Instagram last week, January 13th, I posted that Jeff Levy, there were going to be rumors about him taking other jobs. I said, in the coming days, you should hear rumors about it because at the time, TCU was a rumor. They, had, they hadn't hired Kendall Browse yet. They were still looking for a guy. Uh, and then, of course, everybody really was expecting Alabama to move on from Bill O'Brien. Like, that wasn't – I don't think that came as a shocker to anybody. We knew that was coming. And it was Pete Sammel who put out that Jeff Levy would be on the hot board for Bama. Now, I've said this plenty of times that, yes, Jeff Levy has been contacted by Alabama. Okay, that's public knowledge. The thing is that Jeff Levy's told Alabama, no. I don't know how many times he said it, but I know it's been a couple times. It hasn't just been once. This is Nick Saban we're talking about. So Nick Saban's not going to give up. Like, we know that. But at the same time, here's the thing about Alabama. Alabama doesn't have to continue to just beat Levy's doors down because they're Alabama. They can really get anybody they want. I mean, you look at the truth tradition they've got but at the same time you know think about this for a second you talk about levy and look past all his connections with oklahoma this is a guy that's taken two jobs in the past or three jobs really in the past what five years uh you know i was told over the weekend that he doesn't want to move his family again which is really one of the obvious things that you point to um you know you look at His relationship with guys like Joe John Finley on the staff. You know, some of the guys that he, when he played, some of the guys that he played with are still on staff here. Uh, Some of the guys that he was with when he became a student assistant or a GA, I mean, were around, he was around. So all the connections with Oklahoma, that obviously all adds up. Then you add on top of this each offensive coordinator we've seen work for Nick Saban always ends up getting chewed out by Nick Saban, right? You don't see that happening with Brent Venables. And I think that for someone like Jeff Levy, he would have to feel a little bit more comfortable working for Brent Venables, which, again, a guy that he knows, a guy that, quite frankly, because if I'm not mistaken, I think Levy was in the 2002 recruiting class in Oklahoma. So he was he's known Brent for some time. He's been around Brent for years. And he gets his chance to come and work for him. I mean, because this was, this, was, this was Brent's guy from day one. Like, if y'all didn't know this, which you should by now, but if y'all didn't know this, like, the day that Brent Venables really got, uh, quote-unquote, accepted the job, which was December 5th, but, like, the day that it was really out, that, like, he had been offered the job and that he was assembling a staff, the first thing I heard was Brent Venables head coach Jeff Levy, offensive coordinator. So that was immediately. They nipped that in the bud right there. So this is Brent's guy. If Jeff Lebby feels like Bama's doing some good stuff with what they're offering, Brent Venables is going to fight to the death to keep him in Norman. You can almost bet that because you know what Jeff, keeping Jeff Lebby does, keeping Jeff Lebby also keeps a five-star quarterback named Jackson Arnold, who is the future of your program and could be the future of college football. I'm getting ahead of myself, but that could be the case. Like, it's all there for the taking. The thing, like you hear this, and shout out to my, to my man, Eddie Radosovich, who said this earlier, like it's the cliche thing you hear from coaches every year. You know, every coach is going to say we're excited for this season more than any other season. Yeah, that's coaches say that all the time. But when I heard that about Levy, it makes so much sense because look at what he has coming back on offense. You're bringing back Jalil Farouk. You're bringing back uh, a Gavin Freeman, who's a really good player. Uh, you've got some really good young talent. I mean, up front, your offensive line. Is young, but you can see us uh, so many flashes up there. Of course, you've got your running backs. Which newsflash, Jeff Levy likes to run the ball. He's got two great running backs in his backfield, and a freshman in Dalen Smothers who's probably who who will see the field early on. And then Marcus Major still in the fold if he can finally wrap his head around whatever he's doing, he can be a player. Um, and then you look at you know what's coming in with Andrew Anthony, uh, you know uh, Jacoisy Pettaway, Keon Brown. Uh, Tight end room, you're bringing in Caden. I'm going to say Cade McNamara, Cade McIntyre. Um, you know, you've got Caden Helms in the fold here. Uh, you, I mean, I can go down the list of players that you've got and then not even mentioning the fact that Dylan Gabriel's returning for one more year. And we know that Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy are two peas in a pod. So you just don't see it happening. I don't see a reason why Jeff Levy would take all this stuff that he's got now and jet. For Alabama. You could say, well, it's Alabama. That's great. It is Alabama. But like I said, do you want Nick Saban to be jumping down your throat every day? Like you can, you can be tough and do all that. That's what Lane Kiffin did. Lane Kiffin would get chewed out by Nick Saban on national television and Lane Kiffin would sit there and take it. But Lane would say he cussed me out every day and I just took it like a champ. But then there are some people like Jeff Levy. I don't know Jeff Levy personally, but I know a lot of people that know Jeff Levy. And the number one thing they say about Jeff Levy is he's the most laid back dude in the history of dudes. And like, like when, I, when I look at Jeff Levy, I've met Jeff before. And when I talk to Jeff Levy, he's the ultimate like he's a football guy. You can just tell he, he eats, breathes and sleeps football. He's just the dude. Like, that's what he is. Because like when I when I had a chance to talk to him, it's like he's got that little southern draw, that Texas accent, you know, kind of the little slow voice. Uh, You know, when he yells, he's definitely got that. You can hear that just that country in him. Like he's a real chill dude. So I don't think he would want to deal with Nick Saban jumping down his throat every second, every day. Uh, Now, who knows? I don't know if Brent Venables is in the meetings saying that but brent venables is literally said like he lets jeff do what he wants he lets jeff run the offense like he's gonna let jeff do what jeff knows works and brent will literally just get on the microphone sometimes and say hey go back to that one play or go back to this play that's it he will never get on the he now he probably will i mean it's his first year as a head coach you could see it down the road but you know playing in all that it's like i don't i just don't see it happening and for levy another thing is this like This is just a personal opinion, but I really don't think Jeff Levy would leave. I don't think Jeff Levy's leaving Oklahoma until he gets a head coaching job. Like I really don't think that that's – I don't think he's going to leave OU to take another coordinator job. If he leaves Oklahoma, it's going to be for a head coaching position. It could very 2023 very well could be his last year at OU. If some good jobs open up, whether it's a good group of five school, maybe it's a a mid-major school, a a good – Maybe a, a solid power five school that he doesn't exactly have to rebuild, but a power five school that he can go in, fix a few things, bring in a pretty good quarterback and go and write and the ship. He can go be a good head coach. His dad was a head coach, if I'm not mistaken. I know his dad was a coach. So it's in Levy's blood. And I think that, again, I don't think he leaves Norman until the perfect opportunity to be a head coach comes. Now, hey, maybe What if he turns out like Brent Venables and he just ends up being the guy that he is the best coordinator in football and you just continue to pay him. You give him a new contract every however many years, make him the highest paid OC in the country if his offenses are doing well and he sticks at Oklahoma for years and years and years. And then maybe like it ain't going to happen because I think Brent Venables is going to be around OU for a long time, barring things go the right way. I think he's at OU until he's like, in his 60s, maybe, because that's Brent. I mean, he's just – you talk about a football guy for real. That's Brent. I'm pretty sure his heart is a football shape. Like, that's Brent. You know, being a guy that's worked under Bill Snyder, maybe he decides to coach until he can't walk anymore. I mean, you never know. But, like, if you wanted to do that, and Levy is the coordinator here for a while, and he goes off to maybe a blue blood or, uh, you know, he – I wouldn't say takes over at OU again because I think that Brent's going to be here for a long time. So that would be way too long to be a coordinator. But still, I mean, you never know what could happen. But um, yeah, just shut down all this Jeff Levy stuff. I don't see it happening at all. And I think if if anything, like, I don't really know what Bama could do to get him away. Like You can talk about money and money talks this, money talks that. Like I know somebody said last week, Uh, you know, we said the same thing about Riley. Yeah, we did say the same thing about Riley. Different situation, though. I mean, Lincoln Riley, (laughs) you know, I, okay, I'll just say it. It's pretty obvious, I think, to a lot of people now that the reason that Lincoln Riley left was because he did not like the way that things were being handled above him. He didn't think that the powers that be were prepared to go to the SEC, you saw the stuff he was doing at USC, right? Like, when he got there, he's tampering with players left and right and giving out cash to whoever wants it. That was stuff he wanted to do at Oklahoma, but he couldn't because if you guys know anything about Oklahoma's compliance departments and stuff like that, they ain't SEC ready. So then that was the number one thing that that, that really was like, that was out there was that, and among a lot of media circles, but that like he left Oklahoma because – He didn't think the school was SEC ready. And that seems to be the number one thing that I've heard. I know that's things that like people that played for him have heard the same thing as well. So it's two different situations. Jeff Levy's connection with Oklahoma runs far deeper than Lincoln Riley's did. Lincoln Riley's only connection to Oklahoma when he came as the OC was Donnie Duncan and Donnie Duncan wasn't even an athletic director at that point. point. He was the athletic director in the nineties for Oklahoma and that was like that was Lincoln's only connection here, and so you look at Levy, and it's like you talk about Levy again. We talked about you know his best friends on the staff, his former teammates on the staff, a coach that he's been around for years is on the staff, strength and conditioning coach he's been around for years is on the staff. You know, I mean, his quarterback is is still the quarterback that he recruited and watched grow and developed is here a quarterback that he found last year that really was a gym that nobody really knew about. And he turned out to be a five-star quarterback, probably the best quarterback in his class. You know, I mean, I don't really know what Alabama could do because again, I don't think Bama's going to just get into a bidding war for Jeff Levy. They don't need to it's Bama. Like Bama knows they can get whoever. If Levy says no for a fourth time, they can say, okay, cool. We're done fooling with him. We can go get this guy. We'll go get that guy. I mean, I know Cliff Kingsbury said he's taking a year off, but if Bama calls him, surely he would think about it. It's, I mean, it, I don't know. I just, like, here's the positive thing. I know some people have said this too. Here's the positive thing about this. This slightly helps Oklahoma in recruiting because Jeff Levy can now go out when he's recruiting a guy and say, hey man, like Nick Saban was on my, was on my tail about coming to work for him. He was on me four or five times. Like, Just just you can hang your hat on the fact that Alabama wanted you. Okay. The University of Alabama wanted you to be their coordinator and they would not take no for an answer. That's big time. You can hang your hat on that. So there's a there's positives to it, like with the rumors being out there. I just don't think there's anything to it. Like again, obviously they've been in touch. Yes, there's been contact, but I don't think that Jeff Levy leaves Oklahoma. I highly, highly doubt it. And if Jeff Levy left Oklahoma, I might just not even, like Sooners Sports Daily might not exist anymore. Let's just say it like that because then I would just be done. This Because I get it, guys. Like, you're a fan base that's been scarred before, okay? We know that. You've been hurt. Like, I understand whenever a coach, we know, like, from this point on, whenever there's rumors about a coach or a player leaving, you're just automatically going to assume all hell's going to break loose and that's going to happen because it's happened already. So I get it. But I just don't think this is that. Like, this really isn't that. So, uh, now that that's all out the way, final answer, Jeff Levy's not leaving Oklahoma. Uh, don't believe that's happening at all. And any rumors that you see are just rumors. Uh, because I mean, like if you, if you were in Jeff Levy's shoes and you did want to leave to go to another school and be a coordinator, I'm pretty sure your two choices would be Bama and Georgia, right? Like that's, if you, if you knew you were going to go be a coordinator at another school, That would have to be your top two options. Not that Georgia's open, but I think that Georgia's been out there. I guess that that there's rumors about Todd Monk going around at Georgia that he's leaving. I don't know if that's actually happened. I just keep seeing that from people. And then I know, again, once again, credit to um, uh, the guys over at Sooner Scoop who said on their podcast that that I think that Kirby Smart was trying to, to, to kick the tires on Jeff Levy too. So that's another thing if you're Jeff Levy. Georgia wanted you too. Like, you can you can recruit with that. So uh that's awesome. But anyway, moving past that, once again, Jeff Levy standing in Oklahoma. We 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 were pretty sure that's happening. I believe his contract is originally like three years, if I'm not mistaken. It's probably is it three? I think it's two, two or three, one or the other. Anyway, all that's over. So uh, you know. I don't think people are going to be satisfied until they get a definite no. I know somebody tweeted, like, Jeff Levy should just come out and de- deny all the rumors. Well, coaches don't really do that. Coaches don't really tweet that kind of stuff. They just – maybe their agent or something feeds it to, um, you know, Pete Famo or whoever the top writers are and says, yeah, he's staying. So, I don't think people are going to be satisfied until, like, the spring comes around and then he's out there on the field going through quarterback drills. So – yeah, that's that. But uh, moving past that. So Oklahoma basketball is um, <sighs> Oklahoma basketball cannot be real. Uh, I'm I'm be quite honest with you. I mean, it's it has been a <laughs> disappointment for the ages. And uh, you guys are some brave souls that have continued to watch this team. Um, I mean, it's just not fun. Like if you're from Oklahoma, at least the Thunder are pretty good right now. Like, I don't think anybody expected anything out of the Thunder this year. And Shea Gilgeous alexander is playing MVP-level basketball, or all-star-level basketball, of course. Um, and, I mean, if they ride the ship, they could very well end up in a play-in spot. Like, the Thunder are playing good basketball. Oklahoma, on the other hand, is looking like they don't know how to play basketball. And it's been sad. I mean, the Groves brothers are just not... Not what they were last year, um you know, Grant Shurfields hit a little bit of a slump. I mean, this all leads you to a point where it's like when you look at this stuff with the transfer portal and all that, you gotta take advantage of guys like uh, uh like uh, uh Milo yuzon like when you look at this offense that this that this basketball team is playing with, it's not fun, like you just don't have that like I know. I remember like when Billy Tubbs passed away. I, of course I wasn't alive in the Billy Tubbs era, but this was the era this was like the glory days if you will of OU basketball with Billy Tubbs. Obviously this was the 80s. So like it's, it's worthless now, but when you saw people talk about Billy Tubbs basketball, they were talking about teams that were like oh they were fast, they got down the court, they scored, they had athletes, they did all this. Like it just made it seem like OU basketball was like the thing. Uh, you think back to that team that Lon Kruger had in 2016 with Buddy Hield and Isaiah Cousins, Ryan Spangler, uh, Kadim Latin, Jordan Woodard. Uh, uh, I mean, I could go down the list of players that were on that team that were really good. That was a great time to be an OU basketball fan because that was the days where you were competing with Kansas. I mean, goodness, these dudes went into three overtimes with Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse. Like, that was a squad problem is they ran into Villanova and got kicked out of the stadium. So, you know, forget about that. But like that team was really freaking good. And that offense was awesome. You know, even during the Trey Young years, they weren't that good, but Trey Young made Oklahoma basketball worth watching because he was just so dang good. You wanted to watch this kid play. And that year they got bounced in the first round by Rhode Island. So like Trey Young was the only player on that team. I think I don't. I think Jordan Woodard was on that team too. I don't remember, but uh, I mean, like Trey Young was the only guy on that team, and Rashad Odoms and all those guys. Since then, it's just been like, and, and I mean, I can't forget like even Lon Kruger's final year. That was a pretty solid team. Austin Reeves, you know, I mean, that was a that was a solid basketball team. Problem is, they ran into Gonzaga, and you know, yeah. But you look at it now, and it's like it's just not fun to watch because there's nothing offensive. You play in the toughest conference in basketball, and even when you move to the SEC, SEC basketball ain't bad either because guess who's coming to town this Saturday? Alabama. And Alabama could very well end up being in the Final Four this year. Like they're playing really good basketball right now. Despite all the stuff that's been going on with them off the court, they've been rolling. Nate Oates and his team have been humming. They got to come into Norman. You know, we do all this complaining about, you know, how the crowd and the student section sucks and all this. Guys, like, it comes down to this. Yes, I think the venue matters. The Lloyd Noble Center needs to go. Okay, we all know that. It's historic. It's awesome. Well, used to be. It's historic. That's great, but it needs to go. You need a new arena. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. At the same time, if you want people to show up for your games, get better start actually making people want to come because when you get into these close games and then when when a game gets down to nut cutting time and you just disappear, nobody wants to come watch you play. Like, listen, you cannot sit there and say, oh, we need, you can sit there and say, we need the fan support. We need this, we need that. But at the same time, it's like, you ain't going to get it if you're playing basketball like this. Like when it's self-inflicted, it's different if you're a team, if you're like football. Now, here's the thing with the football team football team did have some self-inflicted stuff, but at the same time, football also had these moments where you just knew this team is not good enough. But that stadium was packed every Saturday because sometimes they made it worth watching. Basketball is just like, dude, what is this? There's nothing here that makes you want to come watch. Because with Milo on, it's like, if you're going to continue to play this level of basketball that has no creativity in the offense, he ain't going to be in Oklahoma much longer. Sam Godwin, shout out to Southmore saberCat legend, Sam Godwin. He's been a solid player this year. I don't even think he started. I didn't even watch the TCU game because I knew how that was going to go. And you saw how it went. And I proposed the question on my account, is it time to have the uncomfortable conversation about Porter Mosier? Look, I like Porter Mosier. I like Porter Mosier. But honestly, like, I think the clock's ticking, to be honest. Because, like, if a, if you if next season, if you miss a tournament again or you don't do anything worth the squat, he's gone. No way no fans your butts about it. But even after this season, you have to question, like, if you continue to play like this, if you go in there and get your teeth knocked out by Bama, like, if you can compete with Bama, like, here's the deal. The number one deciding factor in the Bama game is going to have to be the atmosphere. But who's going to want to come? Like, I know there were people in the student section that were triggered about that one kid that tweeted that, oh, you student section could never do what Kansas does. It's the truth. But most of that's not even them. It's just the fact that the team's not good enough. Like nobody wants to support that. Now, I'm not saying you don't need to be a fan. and like, of course, I'm going to continue to be a fan. But at some point, you have to wonder, like, what is it? Do you need to talk about Porter Mosher? I don't think he needs to be fired right now. But I think you really do need to have a talk of like, if you're joking Joe Young, you've got to look him in the face and say, hey, man, you know, two years, you're about to miss the tournament. And grand last year, I think they should have made it. Like last year's team wasn't awful. I mean, they had, what was it? Like four or five top, top, or I can't even remember the number. I just know it was like four or five ranked wins or top 15, top 20 wins. One or the other, I can't remember. Should have been a tournament team, but two years in a row, you're about to miss the tournament. Like you got to talk about something like guys. I'm just saying, you know, you want a team that's going to be able to shoot the ball and do all that. Maybe you need to give Kellen Sampson a call and bring him home anyway. Uh, yeah. I mean, Oh, you basketball just, just been confusing. Uh, it's been a world of, you know, I mean, like who really knows what to expect anymore. Uh, I think we all miss the days of OU basketball being fun to watch. So, you know, it is what it is. But uh, closing that out, I do want to dive a little bit into um, what we've been getting from uh, winter workouts, some stuff on the recruiting trail. Uh, And really there's not a lot of winter workout stuff out there because they just started. But, like, I know that there's uh, some things with – the boys did tests last week. They did their uh 40 times and all that stuff. And uh fastest 40 was Gentry Williams, ran a four 4-3, three, uh four three seven. Um our guy Chapman McCown ran a four four seven, by the way. He's been injured, so I think that kind of shook things up. Uh Gavin Sawchuk, I believe, ran a four, four three nine, I wanna say. And Jaron Cannick is the ultimate one. Um, because did I talk? I don't I may have talked about this last week, but uh, I made the mistake on my account and said that Jaren Canick ran a four flat. That was so wrong because uh, running a four flat is not possible. I mean, I don't even the fastest player in the NFL has never done that. So, uh, four flats not even possible on a forty-yard dash. Uh, Jaren Canick ran a four 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 flat at two hundred and thirty pounds. Think about that for a second. That's like. If this kid just gets it all together as a linebacker, he's going to be incredible. And I think he's going to have a great year this year. Uh, but um, they've been testing on that. They've been testing on uh, bench, squat, all that. Uh, I believe Shane McCullough had the had the uh, biggest numbers on the bench for linebackers, which was around 220, I believe is what I saw. Was it 220? Might have been a little bit heavier than that. I, we've got to look back into all that stuff. But uh, yeah, we're we're working on getting that stuff. I mean, this stuff's going to go on for a minute uh, with the summer workouts or winter workouts. I'm sorry, and I know that a lot of the young guys have been doing really well so far. Uh, but then there are a few of the young guys that are finally getting an understanding of what Jerry Schmidt is about. If you've heard our last two roundtables, you've heard that Jerry Schmidt. If you don't know anything about him, is a very no no BS taken man. And uh, did meet Schmidt. This past weekend, and he is—it's kind of weird because it's like you look when you meet him; he's a really good dude. Like he's a very genuine guy, excited to meet you, stuff like that. But then you hear the stories that people tell about him, and it's like that can't be the same guy. So that's how, but that's how he gets you though, right? I mean, he plays mind games. So, uh, like, like if you see some guys get ran off this off season, don't be shocked because I think even Schmitty's like, dude, I came back here to go six and seven. Like, I think he's itching for another one. So it should be a fun time. But uh, recruiting-wise, uh, I do want to talk – I just want to talk about one guy. Listen, first of all, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you guys here. If you follow Sooner Sports Daily, you know we are mainly a team of current team news, and we don't do a lot of recruiting stuff because I will be perfectly honest with you. And, by the way, we are working – like, I'm working on getting guys – we're working on assembling a quote-unquote staff. You guys know Blake Antikowiak is on staff. He does our graphics. Uh, But we're working on getting some more guys, and we're probably going to get a guy that does some recruiting stuff for us because I'm going to be quite honest with you. I, Jalen Ross, do not like following recruiting. And 2023 really proved why I don't. You saw the Peyton Bowen stuff go down, right? Like that was the tip of the bottle of, look, I'm not doing this because when I'm wrong, y'all are going to crucify me. And that's how it was with Peyton Bowen. You know, I'm not getting into all that stuff again. I already addressed it on an episode in the past, but uh, y'all tried to take away my credibility when the Peyton Bowen thing happened, and that ended up being correct. Now, I'll admit I and everybody was wrong in the first place, so I can take that. But some of y'all were about ready to riot the page because of that whole situation. And that proved like why I don't really like doing it. So when y'all ask recruiting questions, I try to be as like really close as possible when I answer them because I really just don't really follow it that much. But as far as 2023, uh, they made an offer last week to a Bethany athlete, Taylor Heim. And Taylor Heim, I believe he's about 6'5", 210. Interesting thing about Taylor Heim is he's coming in or he hasn't committed yet, but he will be visiting Oklahoma over the weekend. I fully expect him to commit. Over the weekend, I know he visited Texas, Texas. He visited visited Tulsa last week. He has an offer from North Texas. I got my schools mixed up. But uh he visited Tulsa last week, uh going to Oklahoma this weekend. I think he makes a decision this weekend. Um, you know, I did say he weighs about 210, but from what it what's been out there, Brent Venables wants to add about 20-30 pounds to him, which puts him at 6'5, 230, 240. Like, come on, guys, six five, two thirty. With the speed and athleticism that Taylor Hahn has, that's an insane player. I mean, you're talking about a guy who, you know, in the coming years could be taking over that Desain McCullough role as a cheetah. He's probably backing him up in a few years from now. He can be a really good player. Like, I'm not going to say the guy's going to win the buckets, but once he, like, fully develops, you're looking at a guy who can be a player. He can be a contributor because, I mean, the kid's an unranked, unstarred guy from Bethany, Oklahoma. And, you know, you're battling essentially two nobodies when it comes to Oklahoma or that com- with, with two nobody schools in a class of Oklahoma, Now, not not, not saying Tulsa is a nobody, but like compare that to Oklahoma. That's two different schools, obviously. So uh, you're looking at that Taylor Heim, really good player. I mean, you I know people like to sit here and complain about, like, why are we recruiting these three stars? Why are we recruiting these guys with no stars? Guys, I'm going to put it to you like this. Coaches don't care about stars, okay? Like, the stars is all that stuff is what gets the fans riled up, and it's for that. Like, coaches don't really go. They're not looking on 24-7 and rivals like we are and saying, oh, this kid's a four-star? Let's offer him. They don't do that. That's not how that works. They watch the tape. They go on very in-depth analysis, They do all this stuff, and they watch, you know, I'm, well, I already said watch tape. They do all these different evaluations is what I was looking for, and they make the offer. Look like at P.J. Adabari. P.J. bar was a guy who was a, you know, kind of a nobody, four-star, nobody really talked about. Oklahoma got in on him. That turned out to work really well because he's a five-star guy. He's been in the top ten for uh, on3.com. I don't know where he – I think he's in top 15 for two – four. Uh, sorry, top 15 for rivals, I believe. I mean, he's he's making waves. Um, Jackson Arnold, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, was a four-star guy that I hadn't even heard of, and then he turned out to be probably the best quarterback in the class. So their evaluations have proved to be really good. Now, I mean, obviously it depends on what they do on the field, but as far as what like what, where it's stacked up with everybody else, they've been pretty nice. Brent Venables is different in the way that this is a guy who wants football players. He don't want pretty boys. He wants football players. Taylor Himes is a football player. Isaiah Simmons was a football player. Isaiah Simmons was a three-star guy. Guy ended up being a Buckus Award winner and a solid player in the NFL right now. So Brent's looking for guys that just want to play. Like, that's the beauty of it. So Taylor Himes, one of those guys that you look at and you're like, hey, he he can, he can do something. He can be something special once he's gets the proper coaching because again, another shout out to the Super Scoop guys for uh, my man Joshua Question for talking about this earlier. He was talking about this with Kevin Wilson, like how Kevin Wilson, you know, when he was at Oklahoma, that was kind of his thing. He had guys at Oklahoma that were, and by the way, Kevin Wilson, the head coach at Tulsa now, for those who don't know, but when he was at Oklahoma, he would go out and find those big athletes, and sometimes those guys ended up, sometimes those guys ended up moving around. And like uh, an example, Blake Bell is one of those guys. I don't really know if he was recruited by Kevin Wilson. I think Kevin Wilson was around at that time because I don't even really remember when Blake Bell committed. Y'all got to remember, I'm 17, so I cannot really tell you like all the in-depth recruiting stuff from the 2000s because I don't know what class Blake Bell was in. But I know Blake Bell was a guy who went from being a quarterback to being kind of the special quarterback when he was used a lot, the belldozer, of course, and then ended up moving to tight end. And now he's in the NFL. I, I don't know if he's still in the pros, but I know as of recently, he was in the pros uh, with the Chiefs at tight end. And he actually played a little bit, too. So he did his thing. But uh, Taylor Haim's one of those guys that, like, you're going to start seeing these guys in the coming years. I mean, you look at, like, think about this even, like, from the walk-on standpoint. Haim was offered a scholarship, but the walk-on guys, like – uh, there was a there was a walk-on commitment earlier today. Eli Merck out of a uh, D.W. Daniel High School in the Clemson area, which is where Brent Venables' sons played high school football. A uh, twenty twenty-three guy, of course. This is a guy who broke records at his school, and broke all of DeAndre Hopkins' records. By the way, DeAndre Hopkins, if you didn't know, is a really freaking good football player. So, you know, there's that, and he was really good in college too, and could be on his way. Never mind. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not even going to say all that, but, uh, anyway, uh, like uh, commitment of Kel Fugate, Kel Fugit, the, uh, defensive back slash wide receiver from Bixby, Oklahoma. Uh, I believe he's coming in to play DB Brandon Hall's been in on that. Brandon Hall really likes him. Um, just from the conversations we've had and then, uh, Xavier Brewer, the defensive, uh, or I'm sorry, the DB, Assistant, The assistant DB coach, let me get my words right, uh, was in on him a lot. And if you get a guy that had four interceptions in a game this year, three of them went back for touchdowns in one half. Okay, so uh, football player. Um, Jacob Snyder, another big speed kid, football player. Um, I mean, I could go on. Just from, from guys that they found, they're like, these guys can really develop into something. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. And by the way, just one last thing before we end it here. So James Skowski, a former Clemson linebacker uh, who was there under Brent Venables, of course, uh, joining the Oklahoma staff as a graduate assistant. Now, here's the deal. like Graduate assistants don't have a lot of say, of course, but Skalski's a guy that I look at that I think he could. I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to be making like game day decisions and stuff like that, but he can bring in a lot of input. And when you look at it, you know, we've talked so much about these linebackers. You think about someone like a Danny Stutzman. If James Skowski can get Danny Stutzman under his wing, that's a really good match. Because Skowski, if you don't remember, really freaking good player at Clemson. But, okay, here's the thing. If you don't remember James Skowski, he is the one that knocked the ever-living crap out of Justin Fields in that Sugar Bowl in 2020. That's the guy. So anyway, uh, James Gowski was a really solid player at Clemson. Uh, finished his career with like three hundred something tackles, uh, twenty-five tackles for loss, and around ten sacks. So he was a really productive player at Clemson. He was at Clemson for a long time. He's at Clemson for six years. He knows the Brent Venable system really well, and him being a linebacker gives him a ten-time boost. So if he can get Danny Stutzman under his wing, or uh, you know a Kobe McKenzie or a Kip Lewis, whoever it may be. It's gonna be a really solid match. So I really love that hire. Skowski's a guy that I think, and I know that I've read like from Clemson people, they think he's really similar to Brent. And like we had, we remember we had that tangent last week about how when you watch these, oh you when you watch linebackers that play for Brent Venables play, it's really like you're watching Brent Venables on the field. I think Skowski was that. So I ain't saying Skowski's gonna be the next Brent Venables, but like just his knowledge of the defense and stuff like that is going to take him far. So a uh, really, really good hire there. And then uh, the last thing I was going to mention had something to do with Skowski. I'm sorry, not Skowski. It had something to do with uh, the staff, but uh, really there's nothing there anyway. So, uh, oh, oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I messed up. It was Skowski related. So uh, Skowski's father played at Oklahoma under Barry Switzer in the eighties. And um, unfortunately his father passed away a few years back, but uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of Clemson people say that he's very similar to Brent kind in his, just his background and stuff like that. Cause I, I think he may have walked on it. No, he didn't walk on any Clemson. Did he? I don't know. I didn't keep up with Clemson recruiting, so I can't really tell you. This scoop on that. But um, but that that about wraps it up today for the Blitz period. Um, as I mentioned, we're going to have a bonus episode, which is another interview with the former player. He's a player that the page you guys know and love, uh, very well famous in more Oklahoma, among Southmore High School students and, and myself because he has blood and I love him dearly. So it's gonna be a super fun episode. But thank you guys once again for listening. You know the rules, leave a rating and review. Share it with your moms, your dads, your uncles, your cousins, your, your, your mother, uh, I said your mom's, uh, your, your your son's mom, your daughter's mom, anybody, your uncles, aunts, I don't care, your next door neighbor, uh, uh babysitter, whoever. Just get the listens up and and we'll leave it at that. So um, yeah. Thank you guys once again for tuning in today. Uh follow the rules, follow us on Instagram at SummerSports Daily, Blake at and on Twitter at underscore Jalen Ross. And we will see you guys next week. Or actually, we'll see you guys this weekend if the episode with our guest drops. But all in all, we'll see you guys next week. The Blitz Period with Jalen Ross is brought to you by Sooners360.com.